What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us of whom God has chosen for his own? No one for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or persecuted or hungry, or destitute or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ, who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 31 through 39 of the NLT. There's a world at war, caught in suffering, silent casualties, oh God grant us peace in these sleepless nights. I can hardly breathe Despite brutality I know that we'll be free I know that we'll be free well, Welcome back to Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed. We're talking about what divides us as Americans on this episode. And we're narrowing in on what divides Black and white Americans. So we're calling this episode The Divide. This topic is a broad and deep and an extremely timely one. Hello, election season. Mm. It's so important now more than ever to continue to learn about our history so that we can correct the wrongs that have divided us for so long. I am one of your hosts, Renee Rethel. And I'm your other host, Kisa Holke. We've noticed from our experience and the experience of many in our spheres that the divide seems great, especially as it pertains to Black and white Americans. We are so glad that you are listening in and we pray that these conversations resonate and move you to action within your own circles. So let's get started. Let's go. In these desperate times, love will hold us here. Love will join our hands, teach us to have no fear. So we lay our head down to wash their feet. At the top of this episode, we read Romans 8. Um, I'm so glad we did because while we're broken right now and we're frustrated with this world, <laughs> with our nation, we know that God's love is still there for us, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And no matter what this world throws at us, we can hang on to him. Yeah. God's love is so good and it's what keeps us going. Mm 
Yeah. It's what keeps us battling for what is good and true and noble and just. Right. We just keep going. We don't say, well, God loves us, so that's it. And I don't need to work for a better world because I've got God's love. No, we take God's love and we spill it into this world to make it better, to make us all reflect his goodness. That's it right there, isn't it? That's right. You know, um, 2 Corinthians 5 says Christ's love compels us. And do you, do you know what the word compel means? Like I had an idea when I read this verse again for this episode, but um, like I kind of, you just know what the word means, right? But right. I wanted to look it up to get the legitimate meaning for mm-hmm. it. So it literally means forces okay. or obliges to do something. So put that in place of the word compel. Mm. Christ's love, God's love forces us to do something. Mm. Yeah. Um, so like in episode two, we discussed some of the historical atrocities that led us where we are today, right? Yeah. Beginning with slavery, touching on Jim Crow and modern day systems of oppression. Well, we don't like just like slide by that and say, you know what? God's got it. Right. Like one day we're going to be in heaven. None of this is going to be, ma- yep. none of it's going to matter. Right. That's right. not what that we do. It's yeah. a long time ago. Whatever. That's not <laughs> what we do. Right? <laughs> right. So we say God's love pushes us yeah. to do something about it. That's right. So Kisa, you and I wanted to dig deeper yeah. into this divide on this episode because of how profound the gap has spread yeah. and how blatantly overt it has seemed to become over the last few months, just the last few months, right? Right. Um, so you think about it, you put all that together in a blender and you think, oh, is there something happening in America right now? <laughs> is there something happening in about a week? Uh, you think? Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why I've received more postcards uh, than I've ever received in my life over the past few weeks. I mean, in the, in the last four years, I don't think I've received as many postcards and pins and right. stickers and whatnot. Yeah. Our recycling bins are overflowing. Oh, yes. <laughs> a lot. I wonder how many trees have been taken out just to fill our Seriously. mailboxes with these advertisements this month. Um, but in all seriousness, we're pretty sure we aren't the only two people in the country feeling broken right, right now. Exactly. Right. The brokenness at times can seem overwhelming. Right. Um, relationships have been severed. You know, families are feuding. Yeah. People are walking away from their churches, which is so heartbreaking. The hatred, the demand to be right politically, right. The, the demand just to, you know, white knuckle grip or control things, yeah. things that may not even be God's design has caused tunnel vision to consume so many of us. You yeah. know, we're blinded by our own politics in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's, like, it's hurting us. It, it really yeah. is. And I, I know you felt this way, but I feel like, especially like with technology, social media, mm-hmm. you know, TV, newspapers, internet, whatever, it feels like the gloves are off for a lot of people. Yeah. Like that's it. I, I am standing firm in my politics right? and I'll defend that darn donkey and I'll defend that darn elephant yeah. to the death and I won't budge. Right. Right. It's a party line and I'm, I'm not moving. Um, it's just a lot. And you see, so you sit back and you think, okay, where's the love? Right. Where is the love? <laughs> Sweet <laughs> sound. Oh, yeah. the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast on 
So brokenness. Brokenness is a huge part of this, but also lack of trust. As we researched for this episode, we requested some feedback from a couple of our friends. And one friend of color described the divide this way. Using people groups for gain has happened to people of color other than blacks in varying degrees. However, we often focus just on the black and white divide because it is the longest lasting, blatant subjugation of an entire group. Think about it. How do you get free labor and establish the concept as an acceptable norm in order to ensure your new system's longevity? You create a divide, a classification system, a social construct, race. As you do this, you define the nature of the races you create. Once this settles in and becomes the status quo, you continue to deepen and redefine the concept as needed so it becomes ingrained in society for generation upon generation. We've seen science used to try to justify this racial construct and subjugation of the Negro race with attempts to prove inferiority. We've also seen the Bible used to give a place or position of Black people to nullify the group's rights to freedom or equality. And my goodness, the psychological breakdown imposed through the stripping of our culture, the breakdown of family and the shredding of worth and value of any kind has been immense. We've not discussed things such as the Tuskegee experiment or the so-called father of gynecology, J. Marion Sims, who did experimental surgeries on enslaved women without anesthesia. And most recently, the forced sterilization of black and brown women in our prison systems. What? What is that? Why are people surprised at the divide, Renee? I don't know. I mean, the fact that people try to explain it away, it baffles me. And it's like they have the privilege of being, the privilege of of being oblivious to it. Yeah. It seems that way. You know, it's like, I was just thinking like we use the Bible to excuse some of this. Yeah. I'm not sure. That might be borderline heresy, but I'm hmm. not a not a scholar for sure. Yeah. It's like, so who who can black people trust? Right? That's the question. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. She's a black woman. It was the actually the day after the Breonna Taylor grand jury decision was announced here in Louisville. I was standing on her front porch, social distanced, of course. Hmm. Um, and she said something just it was almost it was really significant, almost mm. prophetic in a way. When I was listening to her, she, you know, we we're talking about how we're each processing the grand jury decision with our families and our family makeup and that kind of thing. We talked about the current political climate and how that has contributed to where we are right now. Mm. <clears throat> and so she told me it's for her and her family, it's, they have to be more careful right now in mm. this season. Like they're kind of looking over their shoulder or just in their minds thinking, oh, I thought I could trust that person, Mm. but can I trust that white person? Yeah. Like I thought I could, or can I not? Yeah. Um, You know, we talked about, she and I talked about social media comments and how that's played a role. And um, we talked about the disappointment from these systems of power lately. That was significant to me. I was like, well, yeah, Mm. of course you're wondering who can I trust? Who can I not trust right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's how so many of us feel. Um, it's, and it's been that way for centuries. I mean, because we might smile at one another. Um, when we go home, we still wonder, we still think about it. I mean, do they get it? 
Did this person understand? How are they different from another, especially after we see comments or, you know, it's like, do they, do the comments reflect something else, something deeper? Do they really mean what they say? Right. Do they understand? Jeez. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, do they understand? Are they empathetic? Do they really want to see the feelings of others is the question that I ask. I don't know. Not, not on the screen. doesn't seem that way. Uh, one of my, one of our white friends said self-centeredness to you mm. plays a role into this, right? Mm. When my focus is on my own comfort, my own sense of normalcy and maintaining my position of privilege, whatever that might be, mm. I'll never, I'll never be able to see the injustice mm. or inequality you know, all around me, I'll always just see me yeah. as the entitled norm, as the entitled person, everyone else as other, hmm. right? We talked to one of our guests a couple weeks ago about that, just seeing people as other, like that's, that's not the way right. it's supposed to be. Right. You know, we might, you know, like we talked about first world versus third world. My first world life in the U.S. that I had considered normal was actually the anomaly, right? Yeah. Yeah. So learning to see the reality of others, to see that in the eyes of the majority of the world, I'm a privileged minority has helped burst myself centered. And white. this is a white friend. Yeah. 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 My little white bubble mm. I've got going on. And so it's easy to slip back. Oh, this is comfortable. It's like a recliner. I'm just super comfortable. Can I ask a question? Uh-huh. It seems like that word privilege was used mm-hmm. from your friend. And I, I feel like saying privilege really puts some white people on edge. Sure. And, um, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Cause like for me, I didn't grow up financially privileged. Mm. Right. Right. You know, my parents by the grace of God are doing well financially now, but when I was growing up, we watched the sheriff come to our house and tag our furniture. Mm. Um, you know, so there's just a lot that I'm like, Oh, no, I wasn't privileged. I wore right. hand-me-downs, goodwill clothes for school. Um, but that's not what that means. That just means that the word privilege means when we're talking in terms of race with white privilege, like me as a white person, Kisa, I might not have as many hardships as you do mm. when it comes to systems in this country, in this world, yeah. simply because of my skin color. Yeah. So that's truth. And we as white people can be uncomfortable with that concept, mm. but we just kind of need to get over it. Yeah. Like, as I say to my children, let's put on our big boy pants and just move on because that's truth. That's just the way it is. No, thanks for, thanks for explaining that. I know a lot yeah. of people get hung up on that one. Yeah. Mm. Well, so the other day I was listening to podcast, um, upside down, I think is what it's called. Um, and one of the hosts was asking their guests, their guest at the time was Lisa Sharon Harper, mm. which we really love. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know who she is, look her up. She's phenomenal. Yes. Anyway, so the host asked Lisa to help their listeners understand how to vote Mm -hmm. with their neighbors in mind. Yeah. So kind (laughs) of to take this concept of privilege and turn it upside down a little bit and Mm. say, okay, how can I think of others first? When when that host asked Lisa that question, I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Because when it comes to politics and who I'm voting for, I've always thought about how how is it going to benefit me? Exactly. Like, are my taxes going to get cut? Exactly. Or is healthcare going to be better for me? Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to my husband about that. I've, oh, I, that's how it's always been. Right. Just, I hate to admit that, but this this idea of yeah. voting with my neighbor in mind just hit me like a ton of bricks. So yeah. what does that look like to be a good steward 
of my votes, mm. right? It's a, it's a blessing of living in this America to be able to vote. So mm. how do I steward that well? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. that's good. That's mm-hmm. good. I think we all just think about ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a complete paradigm shift. No. Yeah. Completely. What does it look like to make my next door neighbor's um, issues and concerns, my issues and concerns when I go into the voting booth? Or not even my next door neighbor. Like, how about my neighbor across the city Yeah. on a different side of town? What does yeah. it look like to make their issues my issues when I vote? That's how we need to think. I mean, even as Christians, I don't think we think, I think we're tongue in cheek with, you know, loving our neighbor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't think we really know what it means to do that. So, yeah. That's it's, good. It's, it's, it's multi layered. Yeah. A, it's like an onion to love your neighbor well, I yeah. feel like, in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. We got to step out of ourselves to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Stop focusing yeah. on us. Right? Yeah. So, you know, it's only mm. when I see my neighbor's problem as my own and yes. start to carry that on my shoulders for them. Yes. We can. That's when we lessen this divide. Absolutely. Just break it on up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. True empathy. So, uh, gosh, a lot of things plaguing us right now, right? Yeah. I mean, we're we're inundated with all these messages, and I can find myself just mentally drained and it can go into physical exhaustion as well but from COVID to the mask or no mask politics supreme court justices climate change the economy oh jeez you're you're getting real down in there aren't you it's a lot it's a lot well then flip it around we could talk about the church right Mm -hmm. what we deal with there the family of god how to deal with sexuality issues. Mm. How are we tackling birth control? How are we doing this, that, and the other? Well, if we're talking about church, then we have to talk about self-righteousness. Oh <laughs> we have to, I mean, yeah. we can get lost in a lot of these issues and it just comes down to loving our neighbors and not forgetting that we have to do that, that we have to love our yeah. neighbors. It's hard. It's hard. It's so hard living in the year 2020 because with the click of a button, I can be on Facebook, oh, I can man. be on Twitter, I can be watching this newscast or listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. which can be all good things, right? Right. All good tools. We love podcasts. So yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the thing that we have to remember is like, you and I both watched The Social Dilemma. We did. Last week. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Oh, geez. it's a, a documentary on Netflix. If you haven't seen it yet, Go watch it. Yes. Just be warned. It's going to be a tough watch because it's just whatever. Just watch <laughs> it. But so you watch that and you realize, oh, my gosh, this is like designed purposefully. Yes. To be putting certain messages in my head every time I click a button on we social media. We are puppets. Media. Right. Basically, yes. We're puppets. These mm-hmm. algorithms are feeding into our psychology mm-hmm. and we're getting worked up based off of what we're seeing on yes. the screen. Right. So like. If I click on a certain set or a certain type of articles frequently, that's what I'm going to see. Right. Or I'm going to see the extreme opposition mm-hmm. to that article. My blood pressure is going to rise. <laughs> and before you know it, I'm yelling at my kids. I don't know. It's just I, that documentary was kind of disgusting in a way, but it was also empowering yeah. to walk away from social media for a yeah. while. Yeah. 
At least until November 4th. <laughs> Walk away until November 4th. Yeah. You know, because like for voting purposes as Christians, like on social media, we say all the time, vote this way. Vote this one way. Vote for this one issue. That's what you're voting for. One party, one way, and never anything else. Yeah. We're hearing a lot. We're hearing a lot about we're hearing a lot about Roe v. Wade, Brown mm. versus the Board of Education. Mm. You know, people want to emphatically tell you what is right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What's wrong, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's no room for interpretation. Mm. Or is there? Shoot. I mean, you and I both believe that the word of God is God-breathed. The scriptures are God-breathed. Mm-hmm. But we also know... Yeah that they can be interpreted to fit an agenda, right? Oh, geez. So we, Christians, as Christians, are taking God, are they taking God at his word? No. They might be cherry-picking his word. Because if they're taking him at his word, then what's the confusion? That's the cherry-picking. Hmm. Right? We uh, we all do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guilty of it, too. But, you know, we make the Bible fit what we're feeling. Yeah. And sometimes what we even believe in this discussion of politics, one one verse at a time, not even a whole passage. So it can be taken out of context is what you're saying. A little bit. Huh. How yeah. about that? <laughs> you got any examples of that? Well. Did we come prepared? <laughs> Since you asked, how about uh, Ephesians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So out of context... This verse has nothing to do with dunking a basketball, hitting a game-winning home run, winning the lottery, or even closing a business deal. It doesn't. Well, I mean, like I'm not. Gonna, if you wanted to, it I, can. I mean, you know. Are you saying I'm never going to run a marathon? <laughs> if you pray really hard, a really, really, really hard, you can make these old bones run a marathon. You can do anything, <laughs> <laughs> anything. But uh, in context. The Apostle Paul is under arrest, awaiting trial, where he may possibly be put to death for preaching the resurrection of Jesus. However, instead of being defeated by unfortunate circumstances, Paul is using this opportunity to teach the church in Philippi that he can endure any and every circumstance because he has a strength that only comes from Christ, the supernatural strength to endure all seasons and situations. Because the Holy Spirit of Christ is always with him, even in prison. Mm. So it's endurance, hmm. not actually doom necessarily. Oh. That's different. It's very different. It's very different. So, yes. you talked about fear earlier. Yeah. We talked about it on our podcast. Mm -hmm. What, podcast two? I think so. And fear plays a role in our current climate. It really does. Doesn't it? It does. I mean, it does. Like you said, your friend earlier, you know, you wonder if people are really for you. You know, there's a fear that people may or may not get it. They may not be for you, ultimately. Yeah. It comes down to you. We've talked about this before, but we're scared of people and ideas that are different from us. Hmm. You know, why? Why? We still, in the last three episodes, we haven't figured out why that is. Yeah. Do you know why yet? Uh, hmm. No. No? No. Okay. But 
Maybe we'll get there. <laughs> it's hard to watch, though. It's hard to watch the divide of our races grow wider day by day, especially in our families. Yeah. A lot of us deal with it in our families. We talk about we talked about your family before, sure. your family dynamic. You have a white husband, two black children. I've not yet mentioned my family dynamic, um, but I'm black. My husband is white. We have a black daughter, black son, and a biracial son in our family. So I believe wholeheartedly that fear can exist. It doesn't matter what your family makeup. Fear does exist. Sure. But in our families, can we let it rule the roost? Fear with the way our families oh, are made up? We can't. No. <laughs> I mean, there can't be any racial divides in our own families. Right. Because in, like in our families... Renee and Kisa's family specifically. Mm, yeah. Like in both of our families. Black people are our people. That's right. They have to be, right? That's right. White people are our people. That's right. They have to be. That's right. Because both races are in our immediate right. family. Mm. Huh. And that doesn't mean, though, that we don't struggle with ideas of racism, right? No. Like that doesn't mean we're we're immune to it. Like no. we're picture perfect. The enemy absolutely can not. still enter our minds at times. Right? We absolutely can. That's that's true. Our family makeups and histories are very different. So none of us are exempt. Um but that might be a different show. Because we can go we can yeah. get a little, a little deeper into that. That's a lot. That's a lot. Maybe we'll do that sometime. We should. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thing is, though, this isn't just about black and white Americans, right? For our families, it is because that's who our families are. But we could we could go a lot deeper. We could talk about refugees, immigrants, Hispanics mm -hmm. and Latinos, Asian, Asian Americans specifically have faced a lot yeah. during this pandemic that we're going through. Yeah, it's just it's very sad. It's sad yeah. that it's it's almost like. The enemy has put this wire in us that causes us to assume the worst about one another based on stereotypes, <laughs> politics, etc. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Hmm. But you know what assuming does, do you? It makes it. What is what does uh, it do? Uh, oh, sorry. It makes a belief <laughs> out of you and me. Is that what you're trying well, to say? Well, that's probably what my grandmother would have said. Yeah. Um, what is what is assuming to you? <laughs> I just told you. Believe <laughs> But that reminds me of um, Christian singer Audrey Assad. I think you. Oh yes, yeah. She, she's one of my favorites. She just has beautiful voice, beautiful, soothing. Mm -hmm. Just close your eyes and drift away, kind of voice. But anyway, that that's neither here nor there because her father is a Syrian refugee, mm -hmm. and oh, back in 2017, she began to speak out a little bit after President Trump shut the borders to refugees mm -hmm. shortly after he was elected, right? Mm -hmm. She said this in an interview. I've had to come to grips with the fact that a lot of people don't feel the same way I do about the situation. Mm -hmm. And it's made my music very focused on preferring the poor and uplifting the poor and serving the refugee and looking at them as if you were seeing Christ. Mm -hmm. So that's that, that paradigm shift, looking at them as if you were seeing Christ. Mm. Wouldn't that change the way we look at all people? We wouldn't assume the worst anymore. We would just, we would just love them. Yeah. I mean, that's what Jesus does. He just loves. It seems a tall task, but yeah. that's what we're called to do. That's right. So we recently saw a video, you and I, of Tim Keller 
who's a pastor in New York City, he was speaking at Columbia University. He said something so simple, but so profound. He said, as a Jesus follower, I serve the needs and interests of all of my neighbors. He went on to say that regardless of his neighbor's sexual orientation, their religion, their political affiliation, we are called to serve them. Then he said, Jesus served those who opposed him. Dang. Ooh. Did Jesus do that? Do you yeah. have that bracelet? What, what those bracelets used to say? <laughs> <laughs> Back they, in high school. WWJD. What? What would, what would Jesus do? Yeah. Man, that's the truth. Jeez, I struggle with that. Mm. I'm struggling with that right now as we speak yeah. in this election season. If you oppose my viewpoints, mm. how can I serve you? Yeah. Do I have it in me to serve you? <laughs> That's, <laughs> I really don't know right now. That's mm. hard. I just think so many of us have had our hearts broken recently because we've seen people who claim to know Jesus just go crazy. Mm. Like say crazy things about people of color, say crazy things about white people standing up for truth and justice, just saying crazy things about a lot of things. They have. And the thing is, when I read or hear those comments, my heart sinks. And I just, I'm like, they just, do they get it? Do you, do you really not believe disparities exist? Do you not, you just, you, you choose not to. Yeah. But again, we I we can't let it consume us. However, truth is truth. Right. Truth we've, is true. We've let it consume us a little bit. Yeah. I can speak for myself. I can't speak for you. Well, that's what we've been talking about. Yes. <laughs> it's been consuming us, which is why there's a need for this conversation. Right. Yeah, because like like dad gummits. Can I say dad gummits? <laughs> I lived in Arkansas for a while. I'm gonna say dad gummit. In our country, the proof is there. Yeah. It's it's there. Like this this isn't like some sort of story we've made up. Right. To be black, to be a minority mm. in America yeah. means you overwhelmingly and statistically are going to have less opportunity, mm. less access to quality education, less access to healthcare, housing, mm. even something as trivial as a grocery store. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. You might have a liquor store on the corner, though. Yeah. That's another episode. Tequila. Mm. So the truth about America is there, right? Yep. I think so. (laughs) They just... It's it's laid laid all out. It's all laid out. None of it's... None of it's... uh, What's the term? Fake news or... Oh, easy. Easy. <laughs> Sorry. No. I'll we, shut it now. No, no, it's all good. I mean, we out, we love America, but we are we're not perfect. It's not a perfect place. No. We live in a great country, but it seems like right now our country is full of anger, divisiveness, fear, and conspiracy theories. Yeah. So just for a second, let's play a little game here. Okay. Let's strip all of that away. Let's strip away skin color, political party, whatever else. Name all the things that divide us. Just strip it all away. Mm. Religion. Did I say that? Strip it all away. You did. And just take it away and remember, we're all human. We are all human. And I don't think there are many of us, regardless of where we fall in all those little divisive categories. Like, I don't think any of us really like what's happening right now. Yeah. And if you do, 
like that's another story. Like yeah. you, you might need to, you might need to talk to someone, mm-hmm. you know? I think though, Renee, I think that might be some of the tension though, too. No one wants to feel guilty about not doing something. So it's easy to kind of dismiss it. Sure. Especially if you didn't grow up with um, learning about disparities or, or like seeing it firsthand, it's easy to dismiss it. And even as Christians, you know, it's hard to really embrace or just say, you know, they don't want to sit in it yeah. with their neighbor. It's like, okay, well, let's get over it. That was a long time ago. It's fine. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard. And so, no, I don't believe that a lot of Christians want to, you know, be divided or divisive, but it's hard to let go. Like we said, they, you know, folks want to have a white knuckle grip on, you know, ideals or, or things and instead of moving forward and, um, really sitting in it and, and understanding what it means to love. It seems like the enemy's working overtime right now, doesn't it? Like to push us lower and lower and lower as a collective nation, as a collective whole. We're allowing it. You think so? I believe so. I believe so. So we have to remember though, Jesus himself washed Judas's feet, right? Yeah. Before he sent him to get his accusers. Can you, can you imagine? No. If Jesus can love his oppressors so well, then why can't we love the oppressed? It's a lot to chew on. It's a lot to chew on. It's a sermon. Somebody's preached on that before. Yeah. (laughs) I think a few, maybe. I might have to chew on that for a while. Mm. That's a tough one for me. It's hard for me to get over somebody saying something I don't like about me. Yeah. But knowing that you're getting ready to put me to death. I'm going to wash your feet. Have a meal with you. Man. It's very humbling. Super humbling. So at the end of every episode of Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed, we tell a two-minute story about a hero of civil rights or of someone working today to make a difference. Today, we'd like to tell you the story of Mr. Wentley Phipps. Mr. Phipps is a Christian gospel singer, a pastor, and an entrepreneur. Mr. Phipps was born in 1955 in Trinidad and Tobago. He moved to Montreal at an early age and spent many years in Canada. Today, he lives and works in Washington, D.C. He is the founder of the U.S. Dream Academy, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing a values-based interactive tutorial and remedial education program targeting children and at-risk youth around the country. Mr. Phipps wanted something to help break the cycle he saw played out so many times in his own family. Wentley formed the U.S. Dream Academy to help children who have had a family member in prison. The organization has been recognized by Oprah Winfrey and President Bill Clinton. Mr. Phipps has performed for American presidents Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama. Throughout his career, he has also performed for Rosa Parks, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and former South African President Nelson Mandela. And most recently, he honored Congressman John Lewis as he lied in state in the rotunda of the Capitol. He is a two-time Grammy Award nominee and the recipient of the Philanthropist of the Year from the National Center for Black Philanthropy. Today, we are going to end our show with Mr. Phipps singing It Is Well for the Gaither Music back in 2012. 
The message of this song is the core of what we believe. We know that Christ has overcome the world and that he has paid the price for all of our sins. And the Lord the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed. Remember to be humble, be kind, be a good listener, be courageous, and go vote next week. All the love dares us to see, we'll all be free. Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed is written and produced by Kisa Holke and myself. Music is licensed through musicbed.com. Learn more about us, hear more episodes, and send us your questions and comments at twomamasandamustardseed.com.